Now, for the rest of our time this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Easter story, okay? And a lot of you know the Easter story, you know, and I'm not talking about the Easter bunny and Peter Rabbit or whatever, but we're talking about the Jesus Easter story. Um, but it's an interesting day for Easter because there's another holiday today, which is what? April Fool's Day, right? And so I was sitting, you know, for the past few weeks, in fact, Asusena and I, we're speaking about this a few weeks ago, about how do you balance April Fool's Day and the resurrection, right? It's kind of a tricky thing. Uh, it's not something that you could just ignore, uh, because April Fool's Day is all about playing jokes on people and pranks. Did any of you prank someone yet this morning? Anyone yet? No. There's no pranksters, really? Did you? Good. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time this morning to prank people, but y'all better watch out because after, you know, after I'm done preaching, we'll start pranking. But anyway, uh, as I was sitting there, I thought, you know what, it, it's kind of weird. It's, it's kind of a weird, this weird balance of, okay, you've got the seriousness of the resurrection and, and the crucifixion, but you've got April Fool's Day, which is not serious at all. And then I started thinking, I thought, you know what, this is absolutely appropriate because Jesus in his resurrection, pulled off the greatest April Fool's Day joke ever, right? Like, I mean, he was dead, and three days later, he's like, ha ha, tricked y'all, you know, like, I'm back alive. So to me, it actually seems appropriate that this would happen. And I was sitting there thinking to myself this week, like, who decided that Easter would be on April Fool's Day today? And I started, like, does anyone know who makes those decisions? You know, I've been going to church all my life, all my life, literally all my life. And I had no idea until this week, like, how to, who decides when Easter is, right? I didn't, do any of you know who decides? When, is there like someone that, that's their, that's their job, they say, okay, Easter is gonna be today. Uh, because it's different every year, right? So I'm sitting in my office, I'm like, someone decides this, right? Is it Trump? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, who decides? So, what's that? The Pope decides, well, we're going to talk about, like, why April Fool's and Easter fall on the same day. Um, and because it's just interesting to me, actually, the, re the way that Easter is determined, you know, by the man or whatever you want to call it, um, it it's, there's a few rules that it has to go by. And it has to go by our March equinox. So Easter is always, check this out, this is kind of hard to figure out. Easter is always the first Sunday after the first full moon that's after the March equinox, okay? And it used to be it had to be also after Passover, okay? So then I'm like, well, what's the March equinox, right? So I'm like Googling all this stuff and trying to figure... So the March equinox is in March, which was March 20th, and equinox, which is Latin equal nights, the equinox is when there's an equal amount of daylight and sunlight. So there's 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night. Do you guys get that? So like the sun comes up at 6 and sets at 6. In the summer, our days are what? Long, right? Sun comes up like at 4 a.m., doesn't set till 10 p.m., it seems like, right? So you've got long days. And in the winter, our days are what? Short. Like you go to work, it's dark. You come home, it's dark, right? You never see any sunlight. Um, but the equinoxes are in those times in March and September when there's an equal amount of sunlight and dark for our Earth, the way it spins around uh, the sun and things like that. So, again, Easter is always the first Sunday 
after the first full moon. Well, when was the full moon? Last night was our full moon. So today is the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the March equinox, which was, does anyone know when that was? March 20th. So the first Sunday after the first full moon, after uh, the March equinox, which is today, April Fool's. Okay? So now you know. And now she sent us back there trying to like learn how to uh, translate all of these weird words that I just talked about. But, so there is a system to it. Okay, there, there's not just someone Trump up there, oh, I'm going to put it today, right? That's not how it works. Um, and it has to do with religious calendars and all that stuff. And so then I thought, okay, well, what about April Fool's? Who decides when April Fool's is? Well, it's always what? Do you have any idea, any idea why April Fool's came about? Who decided it ought to be a holiday? Was it some prankster? Well, this, this concept is a little less scientific, okay? Uh, and I didn't know it. I had to Google it. I started searching these things. April Fool's, um, there's several ideas on how it got started. The, one of the ideas is that about in the 1500s, when we moved from uh, following the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, about 1500s or so, um, they all of a sudden, they used to celebrate New Year in spring when you would see new flowers and new growth, which makes a lot of sense, right? It's like a new year. Because in winter everything dies and you see spring, you're like, oh, it's like a new year. Everything's reblooming. Well, then all of a sudden the Gregorian calendar says, no, we're going to celebrate the new year January 1. So then all of the people who didn't get the memo that year, didn't get the email, didn't see it on CNN, you know what I mean? Like they, they're celebrating the new year in April and everyone else is like, you fools. You idiots, it was already four months ago, right? And so then they started calling these people that celebrated April 1st as the new year, fools. And so some people say that that's how it came about. Others say that it has to do with Mother Earth and nature and things like that. You know, in April and March and April, the weather is just fooling you, right? Because you go to work, you turn on the heater, and then later on you come home from work and what? You got the AC on, right? So the weather is trying to fool you back and forth. There's lots of theories as to how April Fools came about. It's certainly not as scientific as the Easter equation. Um, speaking of April Fools, I don't normally tell jokes, but I decided to tell a joke today. Uh, I think I'm a funny person, but I don't tell jokes well. But I'm going to tell this joke because I was just reading through these jokes. I know a lot of pastors tell jokes. It has to do with a dog. How many of you have a dog? A lot of you have a dog. Does your dog talk? Raise your hand if it talks. Okay, so you may know this joke. Um, so there's this guy just walking down the street, and he sees a sign out in front of a house. It says, talking dog for sale. Right? Guy's <laughs> like, talking, come on. Come on. You know, like, talking dog. I'd be interested in that. You may see one at the fair. I don't know. He's just like, well, let's see. How, how much is it going to be? Let's talk. So he goes up to the door, the owner... Uh, he knocks on the door, and the owner says, what can I do for you? He says, I see you have a talking dog for sale. He goes, yeah, it's in the back. Go talk to it. He says, okay. So the man walks around, sees a dog. It's a Labrador retriever, right? It's a cool dog. How many of you have a lab at home? Yeah, labs are awesome. We have one. Uh, he sees the lab. He's like, oh, man, that's a cool dog, right? And he goes, so you talk? And the dog says, yep. And he's like, whoa. Maybe it's one of those, just sounds like wolf, you know. He goes, well, tell me your story, dog. Dog says, well, let me tell you. And the guy's like, oh, big eye, what the, you know? Dog says, I learned I could talk at a young age. 
I started doing these things for the government. I became like a spy because no one thinks that a dog could talk or understand. And so I would do these special spy missions, go all over the world spying on the Russians for America and all these different things. And I would come back with the plans. And I got tired traveling all the way. And the whole time the guy's like, really? This is crazy. This dog's talking to me. Uh, and, and then I got tired of traveling the world, so I came back to the U.S. and I'd, I needed a job close to home, and so I worked at the airport. And I would sneak up on people that were doing shady things, and I would listen to them, and I would go back and tell the authorities. And eventually I just got tired, and so I retired. I had some pups of my own, got married, and now I just kind of chill out and hang out. I'm just like an average dog. And the, the guy is just like, Right? Dumbfounded. Like, so crazy. He's like, I'm gonna buy this dog! So he goes up, back up to the door, you know, knocks on the, knocks on the door, the owner opens, he says, okay, so, you know, he's expecting million dollars, whatever, you know, it's a talking dog. What do you want for the dog? The guy goes, ten bucks. And he's like, what? Ten bucks? In his mind, he's trying to, ten dollars, like, if this was my dog, I'd be selling it for, you know, two million. Whatever, he goes, ten bucks. He says, what? Well, why so cheap? And the owner said, that dog's a liar. He never did any of those things. <laughs> they laughed at my joke, Lori. <laughs> okay, okay, go, hold on. That, that didn't, now I want an honest thumbs up or down. Leanne's going to give me a down. My family hated that joke. Give, give me a thumbs up or down for that joke. I didn't make it up. I see more ups than downs, Lori. I see a few downs. Chase is in the middle. I think my, I had to explain it to my family like five times. I know a joke's not funny if you have to explain it, but anyway. It's just a joke. It's just a dumb joke. But anyway, I was sitting in my, in my family room the other day just laughing so loud at that joke. I LOL'd at it. Anyway. Back to the whole schedule of Easter, trying to get, kind of get serious. So, like, why would we celebrate Easter and April Fool's Day together? Um, and you, you just got to kind of wonder and think about it. The last time was in 1956. The last time, so any of you remember 1956? Don't raise your hand, okay? Uh, the next time will be 2029, so some of you will be around. Um, and the next time after that will be 2040. So it happens kind of randomly. Um, but the reality is, listen, the rest of our time, I do really want to talk about Jesus pulling off the greatest April Fool's Day ever. Right? I mean, think about it. The greatest April Fool's Day ever. Old boy was dead, and three days later, he's back alive. Now, you want to talk about the greatest April Fool's prank ever. This is it. This is absolutely it. Jesus lives, and I know a lot of you know this story, Jesus lives a perfect life. He's the Son of God who steps out of heaven. He comes and He lives a life. Literally does not sin. I know some of you learned that George Washington never told a lie, you know, things like that. Whether you believe that or not, I don't know, I don't care. But you can believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that He did not sin. He lived a sinless life. How was he able to do that? Because somehow he was fully God and fully man at the same time. The God part of him enabled him to not sin. He lived a sinless life. And because people were jealous of him and his leadership and his rule, 
Religious leaders captured him, tortured him, and murdered him, and then buried him. And three days later, he comes back and says, good try, guys, right? This is the Easter story that you all know about. It is the story that's being preached in hundreds of thousands of churches around the world today. This is the greatest story ever told that Jesus made a way for you and for me to be made right with God through His resurrection power. If you think about it, this is the greatest, absolutely greatest story that's ever told. We're going to look at the Easter story um, through the book of Acts. We've been in Acts now for, man, like 15, 16 weeks, something like that, since the beginning of the year. Um, and so we're going to look at the Easter story from kind of a non-traditional point of view from the book of Acts and see what Peter had to say about it. We're going to look in Acts chapter 2. And remember, Peter is preaching. You were with us. If you're part of this church, remember, Peter's preaching to a crowd. He's got thousands of people around him. It's kind of crazy. He begins preaching the gospel, preaching the Easter story. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. That was for my April Fool's Day. I thought that's a cool April Fool's joke, funny thing. But I'm going to try to do that when I go home, but now they're going to know. But anyway, um, it says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is Peter, remember, preaching to the crowd. He's sharing the gospel. And he really kind of breaks down the whole story of Jesus into just a few verses here. He says this, he says, People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through Him, as you well know. These were people that were in Jerusalem. They had seen Jesus perform these miracles. Do these wondrous things. They'd seen them. These were some of the same people who yelled just you know, a, a, a week or two prior when He's coming in on Good Friday. Hosanna, Hosanna, they're worshiping. Our, our Savior has come. And then a few days after that, crucify Him. They were all over the place in their thoughts and beliefs about Jesus. They saw what He had done, though, and that God had endorsed Him. Verse 23, But God knew what would happen, and His prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed Him to a cross. And killed him. He gets right to the point. Verse 24. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. This is my favorite part of the verse right here. For death could not keep him in its grip. I love that part of the verse. For death could not keep him in its grip. The power of death that you've seen in your life, you've seen death all over the world. Listen, death has no power over Jesus. No power. Jesus has power over death. For death could not keep him in his grip. Then as you move down to verse 36, he begins, he kind of wraps it all up with this. Verse 36 says this, So, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. He kind of wraps up his whole sermon by saying, Jesus is our Lord and Messiah. And that's what I want to, I just, I know we got kids in here and I, I'm going to try to be quick today. I know when I say I'm going to be quick. Those of you that normally come, you're like, oh boy, lying. 
but we're just going to look at those two last words, Lord and Messiah. What does it mean to be Lord and Messiah? That verse 36 there says, both Lord and Messiah. So how do we define Lord? If you watch TV nowadays, you see a lot of different shows on TV. They're like medieval shows, you know, Game of Thrones and things like that. And they say, my lord, my lady, or whatever. A lord is simply a ruler. Someone that's in charge. Someone that has authority. Someone that has authority over people. So there were lots of lords and ladies of the land all over. But you'll see here that the Scripture says that he was, what? Look, capital L, Lord. Lord over all. Meaning ruler over all, in charge of everyone, not just a little kingdom, not just a few people over here, not just his castle or his household, but Lord of all. The question for you, as we look at this, and I have those two words highlighted, is, is Jesus your Lord? Do you follow His rule in your life? Meaning, do you do the things that He tells you to do? Do you, think, do you do the things that His Word tells you to do? If Jesus is your Lord, then that means you're not your own Lord. That you're not in control of your life. That Jesus is in control of your life. That means that you don't just do what you want to do. You do what God wants you to do. And so the way that you treat people, when you're angry, you don't just lash out, you don't fight, you, you know... You do what the Lord would have you to do. When you're tied on funds and someone needs help, you're not stingy, you're generous, because that's what the Lord says to do. Is Jesus your Lord? I want you to think about that for a second. Is He in control? Do you do what He says? Is He your authority? Is He the one that you go to when there's trouble? Is he the one that is above you, or is there nobody really above you? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves when we look at a verse like this. That yes, Jesus was Lord and Messiah, but is He my Lord? Do I live my life in a way like He's Lord? Or do I live my life in a way like I'm Lord? I do what I want. I speak how I want. I act how I want. I eat how what I want. You know what I mean? Like, is he in control? Do you follow what he says? And then the other word there is Messiah. What about Messiah? If you Google Messiah, this is what you'll get. So this is what I got like on, I don't know when I did this, Wednesday or Thursday. You'll see down here, it says when you Google Messiah, it's the first thing that comes up. It says the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. So it has to do with Jewish Things, so does that have to do with us? Mm, okay, well, if you know the Scriptures, you know that yes, that has to do with us. A Messiah can also be just a leader or a Savior of a particular group. So you could say that, have you ever heard that someone is said of them that they have a Messiah complex? Have you ever heard of that before? That they just want to save everyone? They're about saving people, about helping people, about that they are the one. You know, you may have a boss at work that doesn't let anyone do anything or just come, like 
this, this is the little M Messiah complex. But again, when the recording of these words that Peter was preaching, they're recorded in a capital letter, L Lord, meaning the Lord of Lords. And a capital M Messiah meaning like a title. Like this is Jesus Christ, the promised Savior of the world. Savior. Is He your Savior? Is He the one that has paid for your sin? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves when we look at Scripture like that. The promised Savior of the world was prophesied, like it says there, in the Old Testament. Thousands of years before He comes. Hundreds of years before He comes. All of these men of God are writing and speaking of this promised Savior to come. And Jesus fulfills these prophecies. Jesus Christ, that same person that we said was Lord Jesus Christ that we saw, celebrated His birth during Christmas and all of the things that He had done. Yes, this is the same person, the God-man. Look at verse 23 there again. It says, But God knew what would happen. And His prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised One that God knew was coming. He had had a plan all along. This was His plan. We talked about this in Connect Group weeks ago, about Jesus coming because it was the plan from the very beginning. He paved the way for us to have a right relationship with God. Now think about this for a second. The Bible says that we're all sinners. Now you may not believe the Bible. Some of you may. I know a lot of you do. Some of you may not. It's okay. Whatever. But I think deep down in your heart, everyone knows deep down that they're a sinner. The Bible confirms that for sure. But even if you don't believe in the Bible, there's something inside you that tells you that you, you're messed up. That there's something wrong. That, there, that you are a sinner. Well, maybe you do some good things here and there, but there is something inside you. And that something inside you is sin. And that sin separates us from God. It's the reality. It's just the reality of where we stand. And Jesus stepped out of heaven, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and was resurrected from the grave. And in that resurrection became our Messiah Savior. He paved the way for us to be made right with God. You can be made right with God. All you have to do is accept that free gift of salvation that He offers. I mean, it's simply... A very simple process. It's a very, very simple process. So the two questions that I have be, as we wrap up, because I know it's getting time for lunch, and I know you can smell those deviled eggs over there like I can. The two questions, just really quick. Is Jesus your Lord and is He, his, is he your Messiah? Like, Really? Do you believe, like, do you believe, I think I wrote these down, in your um, bulletin, I want you to grab 
There's a card in your bulletin. There's actually, I think, two cards in your bulletin. They look like this. They're two-sided. Okay? You should have a pen in your bulletin, too, because I really want every... Like, I know some of you have been Christians for 180 years. Okay? I know that. I still want you to fill this out, okay, with me. I want everyone in here to fill this out for me. There should be like two cards because I wanted you to be able to share with the people around you and I know some of you share bulletins and things like that. But there are two questions and I've got it in English on one side and Spanish on the other side, okay? I really want, and, and this, is, this is not going to embarrass you or anything, everyone will be filling these out, okay? And it's just a simple, simple question that I have for you. The first question there is, do you actually believe the resurrection story? Like, do you actually believe it? And I just want you to circle yes or no. And listen, don't circle yes because you think I want you to circle yes. I really want to know, do you actually believe this resurrection story that Jesus was the Son of God, steps out of heaven, lives a perfect life, is dead, and then rises again three days later? Do you believe that? If you do, circle yes. If you don't, circle no. And that, I mean, that's simple. It's not, I'm not going to like, come on, Jake's circling, no, wha-bam! You know, I'm not going to slap him. You know, like, he didn't. But that's not what we're going to do here. And if you circled no, if you don't believe it, you can... Tune me out for the rest of the time. You can think about them hams and turkeys over there cooking. Oh, right? If you don't believe it, I can't make you believe it. I will pray that God helps you believe it in the coming days. Okay, that's all I can really do. But if you do believe in the resurrection story, you actually believe that those things happen, then I want you to answer the next question. Which is, has your belief moved you to trust Jesus with your life? Has your belief in the resurrection done something inside you to move you to say, I want to be part of what Jesus did. I want to be saved. I want His resurrection to count for me. I believe that I'm a sinner. Like, has that belief in the resurrection moved you to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And if it has, great. Circle yes. Okay? Some of you, this this transaction, this belief happened 50 years ago. 20 years ago. Love you. Appreciate you. We're all together on that. Okay? For me, that transaction took place 22 years ago. When I was 25, I don't know how long, I don't even know how old I am anymore. 42, I don't do the math. That transaction for me took place when I was 25. That the, my belief in the resurrection became my trust in Jesus that His resurrection counted for me. If that's you, mark yes. Now there's another, probably few scenarios. Maybe some of you are saying, I haven't really dealt with that before in my life, but I'm beginning to believe, then write that there. Say, not really sure, but I'm kind of there. Write that there. Just say, kind of, or I don't know. If it's, if it's never caused you to place your faith in Jesus, this resurrection story, 
but you're willing to talk about it. Just write no there. But then give me your name and a phone number or email or something and I will take you to Starbucks this week or wherever you like to go and we can talk about what it means to place your faith in Jesus. What does it mean to trust your life to Jesus? I just want to know that. I want to know how I can help you process your belief or lack of belief. Okay? And we're going to, we're going to receive an offering here in a few minutes. If you would like to talk to me or someone else about what it means to believe in Jesus fully, about what are, what are you even talking about? Trust my life to Jesus. Maybe you don't even know what that means. We'd love to talk to you about it. And we're not going to talk now. We'll talk this week sometime. So give me your name and how I can contact you. And we'll meet up this week and meet for a soda or a coffee or whatever, and we'll talk about that. But this was the point of Easter, y'all. This was the point that Jesus, yes, came, the Christmas story was all great, but it was ultimately pointing to His death, His burial, and His resurrection, because in that resurrection, He provided a way for us to be saved. To be saved from the penalty of our sins. And so I just want to know, as your pastor, or as a pastor, where you stand on all that. That's really all I want to know this morning, is where do you stand? If you're firmly in the believer's category, yes, come on with it. Love it. If you're firmly in the, you guys are all crazy here, the only reason I'm here is for the free food, that's okay too. It don't matter. I just want to kind of know where you're at, so I can know how to pray for you all. Okay? So as we...